I'll read verses 5 through 8. So Psalm 37, verses 5 through 8. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for uh, giving us your word. And we pray, Lord, that we would make wise use of it, that we would uh, memorize it, read it, meditate on it, pray over it, and uh, use it as the tool that you've intended it for uh, on this earth and in our lives. And so we pray, Lord, that you would open our minds to have us see clearly what you would have us to learn from this text. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, last week, we started this series on Psalm 37, and we covered the first four verses, and that I had entitled, Obedience Will Be Rewarded. And today, we cover the next four verses, and really verses one through eight, I think, are kind of one unit almost. They're very, very similar. And yet today, I have titled this, Do Not Fret. So obedience will, will be rewarded, and yet we are not to fret. Now, there is a common motif in Scripture and it's uh, common in Paul's writings. He wrote of it both in uh, Ephesians and in uh, Colossians. Ephesians 4 and Colossians uh, 3. I want to make sure this thing picking up. And uh, it is that we are to put off and put on. And so we uh, see this here, even though the word put off and put on doesn't appear. But the same concept is here. And I want to introduce it to you in that uh, uh, phrase, do not fret. But... First, I just wanted to talk about how commonsensical off and on can be. Uh, when we think of it, sometimes you, you overlook the simplest of the things that God wants us to understand. And so, off precedes on. That's the simple concept. And that's what I want you to remember, really, if you don't remember anything else about the topic today. The topic is do not fret. And off precedes on. So now, what does that mean, off proceeds on? Well, first, Psalm 37 contains 40 verses, and yet the phrase, do not fret, when I started reading it, it pops out at you. You see it, and then you see it again, you see it again, and then it's gone. You don't see it anymore. So the writer of Psalm 37 wants us not to fret through verses 1 through 7 and 8, but then it's okay after that right? Otherwise, he'd continue to harp on it, right? No, no. See, the first eight verses of Psalm 37 provide the foundation, and then the writer builds on that foundation. So what is in the foundation? The basics of Christianity. Put off, put on. Do not do. But the question is, are we listening? Are we Building the foundation is the foundation then done before we progress. And I think for many of us, it's just as Paul said, you are still drinking milk. You aren't prepared, really, to dig into the word. And that is what this do not fretting is all about. It's the foundation. 
If you worry, if you are a person that's prone to worry and you still find yourself worrying after years and years of Christianity and you don't resolve it, those are cracks in your foundation. They are going to prevent you from building a good Christian life. So you have to address that anxiety that, that you are filled with. And I believe God's word conveys that to us very clearly, that it's foundational to us growing in Christ, putting off anxiety. So now, do not fret occurs in, first, in verses 1, 7, and 8. And this is anxiousness. Do not fretting is talking about our anxiety and worry. Jesus warns us in Luke 22 not to worry. And he goes on, he says, what can you do by worry? What can you do by worry? And what does he say in the end? But, so in other words, the worry he's dealt with, right? The worry is gone. He wants you to fill that void though with something. We can't just do not. We must do. So see, the doing not is just something that we have to deal with in order to get to the do. So what do we do? And this is what Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God. And what does this third reference to worry here tell us in verse 8? Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Only causes harm. There is nothing good in worry. We justify it, I think, in many ways. We accept it in ourselves because we see it as a part of our character. And maybe it is a part of our character, but it's not a part of our character we should be comfortable with. It's not what defines us. It shouldn't be. It's sinful for us to worry as Christians. It's sinful. And so you have to accept it as sin. You have to address it as sin. So the putting off and the putting on, the putting off is all about that anxiety, that worry, because you will not get successfully to the putting on if you don't deal with the worry, because it clouds your judgment, it fills your life, it disrupts your walk with God. You are not walking with God if you're filled with worry. It's just that simple. Now, Jesus alludes to this, I believe, in Matthew 12 when he tells the parable of the unclean spirit that leaves that place. And then he goes out and he finds a dry land and he can't find any place to rest. He comes back and the house is swept clean. And he goes and gets seven of his friends and comes back. That's us. That's people. That's people who have done one thing, the putting off, and that demon left through some action that that person was engaged in. But then they didn't do the doing. They did the doing not. They did the putting off but they didn't do the putting off, and then it got that much worse. So see, you have to get past the anxiety, but once you're past the anxiety, you've got to do something to prevent it from returning, to prevent it from taking over your life again in a much worse way. So verses 1 through 8, like I said, are kind of connected, and it goes off on off. It, it does it that clearly. First, the writer tells us what not to do, then he tells us what to do, and then he tells us what not to do again. And we have nine things that we are told to do in this section. A lot of things. Last week, we covered five of them. Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness, delight in the Lord. So we talked about trust being active, doing good being something that's essential. You are to be a do-gooder. Dwell in the land. In other words, don't try to run away from your problems. Accept your reality. Accept your creatureliness. Feed on his faithfulness. Go to God. Do what he says. 
And then delight in the Lord. That really epitomizes our lives, what we are to do. Now, there are four more ons. And so I want to share with you what those ons are. First, commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way. What does it mean when it says your way? Commit your way. What is your way? Is this describing how you do something? No, your way, your life, your path. Commit your way to the Lord. In other words, where are you going? This must be approved by God. It must have God's stamp of approval. And so as long as you don't have a goal, as long as you don't have a destination in mind, then it really doesn't matter, does it? We act as if we have no goal. We're not planners, we think. We're not planners. I'm not that personality type. I'm type whatever it is, B or C or whatever the other ones are. A plans, right? Five years. Uh, I, I went to visit Phil and Gary last week, and, and Phil, or Gary pointed out that Phil had a thing there saying the 200-year plan. And Gary asked me how I was doing on my 200-year plan. I said, you know, it's the last 20 years that are the toughest. <laughs> I'm not a planner. I'm not out 180 years yet. I was making light of it. But we all are to be planners. We all are to plan, regardless of whether it is our personality type or not. So commit your way to the Lord. Where do you want to go? Has it been approved by God? If you don't have a place to go, you must find a place to go. God wants you to have goals in life, and so pursue them. Maybe that's why you're anxious, if you're an anxious type. Maybe it's because you're not planning, and you should be. Now, trust in him. Trust in God. We covered that last time, and it's repeated. It is an active faith. Now we get to the last two, and the last two, I think, reflect a passive faith. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Putting off, putting on. Those are active things, right? Putting off, putting on, they're active. Resting and waiting, they're passive. So see, you've got putting off, active, putting on, active, now you have to bide your time. You have to be patient. And we know Scripture is filled with the admonition for us to be patient, for us to rest in God. Why is he doing that? Because it's testing our faith. It's growing our faith. It's strengthening us. There are seasons in life. You don't just stick a little seedling in the ground and then boom, it's a tree. And so the putting off and the putting on are the things. You, 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 you basically put the tree in the ground. And now that's a putting on, right? But now you're putting off. Okay, you kind of protect the tree and you don't allow a deer in our neighborhood to get to the tree. You try to protect it. But there's a lot of waiting in life. It's filled with waiting. And what we sometimes allow to happen is for the anxiety, the fretfulness to return because we don't like waiting. And waiting is something that allows anxiety to return. So see, it's in that waiting period, the resting period, though, where you need to seek contentment. You need to be content. And it is that anxiety that will undermine the contentment during that period. So you need to seek contentment as a Christian. You must be content in your situation every day. Even if we're facing difficulties in life, we must seek contentment, and we can have contentment every day in God. Because like Jesus said, there is more to life than all that we worry about. Enough for today is the trouble thereof. So see, he wants us to get past that anxiety that we have every day very quickly. We, and we should be able to do that. So 
Trusting in Jesus is an act of faith leading to stronger passive faith where we can rest and wait in contentment for God to answer our prayers, for God to lead us and to come to us, be intimate with us. And so all three are required, the putting off, the putting on, and the resting in contentment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, that uh, it is from David's own experience that he shares with us this knowledge and these lessons. Lord, it is by your grace, of course, and yet this was a man that personally experienced the need for each of these things so much more than we ourselves do. And yet he did excel at this, Father. He relied upon you and he cast all of his cares upon you, and we want to emulate him in this. We thank you, Father, for your word, and we thank you for this uh, meal before us that trains us to be patient in you, uh, to seek uh, true contentment and fulfillment in you. Even though we go through this busy world and experience many, many things that could cast us aside, we, Father, we bow before you and we acknowledge that you rule in heaven above, on earth below, and we are content in that knowledge and secure in that knowledge. And we thank you now in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.